Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 55 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, uh, irritated by CG. <laughs> and joining us tonight, he is the writer-director of Rites of Spring, Open 24 Hours and Darklight. It's Mr. Patrick Reynolds. Patrick, hello. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Hey, thanks for coming. Thank you for coming on, Patrick. Uh, it has been a long time since I last spoke to you. And I, yeah. I would have hoped to speak to you the next time under slightly less irritating circumstances <laughs> than having... <laughs> than having come straight off the back of watching your chosen film. Yes. Did you guys watch it last night? We'd both seen it before. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Uh, so we watched it in two parts yesterday and today. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, your chosen film is the 2011 remake of Fright Night. So, Paduk, why this? <laughs> Explain yourself. Well, you guys sent me. You guys sent me in over an email about you know of of the the movie that you know that nobody really likes. And I actually when I I I went to this movie and I was like, oh wow, this is this is actually really good. And I actually think it's a little bit better than the Tom Holland one, if you can believe that. Hang on, I'm not the only one. AJ Bowen thinks this too. Oh, AJ Bowen was in my first movie, Right to Spring, yeah. and he's been in a bunch of movies. AJ Bowen was on this show defending Jaws: The Revenge, so that's hardly a <laughs> that, that hardly means anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, now Jaws: The Revenge is terrible. Come on, he's well, now terrible. you've just made an enemy of AJ. So did you see this? Did you see this in theaters originally? Yes, I did. I saw it in uh, actually I saw it in theaters, and then I saw it at the drive-in. Oh, oh wow. nice. right, okay. I too saw it at the cinema. Yes. Um, around about the time I was still doing a lot of writing and I was running websites, so I actually, I'm sure at the time, I actually reviewed it and I remember being pretty unfavourable. And I, I've watched it actually a couple of times since, but I don't feel like it's aged any better. I actually feel like its flaws are a little, certainly its technical flaws are a little bit more pronounced now with the addition of a few years. There yeah. are things about it that work. Um, and I'm sure we'll get on to them and my opinions on them. But uh, for the for the most part, I've got to disagree that it's better than the original. I'm hey, afraid. he hasn't made his case yet. Yeah, that, well, that's yeah, true. I could be swung by the end of this. They're, I mean, they're both... I mean, if you look at it this way, I always look at movies this way. It's like if they're going to go remake a movie, at least try a little bit different uh, different way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really liked how we, if we're going to get jump in, I really liked the uh, I really like Anton's performance. I like his character arc from being nerd, and then he's like a popular kid, and then he goes back to being, you know, what he grew up with about you know mythology of vampires and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Paru, before we start, I. I- I'm pretty sure that everyone's familiar with the plot of Fright Night, but we make everyone do this and we're going to make you do it too. So for the benefit of anyone who is listening that might need a refresher on this, basically Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you in and we're going to look for you. Give us your best 30 second synopsis of Fright Night 2011. Are you ready? Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh, Charlie Brewster is a teenager living in suburbs of Los Vegas, Nevada, uh, where a bunch of kids have gone missing, and he has uh, an extremely hot girlfriend named Emojin Poots, and we knew uh, who was uh, Amy Peterson in the movie, and so we learned that uh, he used to be a nerd, and that uh, Christopher Mance, who plays Edward, uh, was his best friend, and he's kind of like out- ousted him, and and but uh, time. Christopher, time, time, I'm afraid, time. Oh gosh, that's too fast. Yeah, it, it, it disappears in a heartbeat, Padre. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna go through the whole thing for you. <laughs> People do try. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the, the like the, the great failing that people do on that is uh, getting too caught up in like the first ten pages. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we should jump in on this. Uh, so yes, I, I quite quite like the pre credits on this, but basically we open on an advert for Peter Vincent's magic show, yeah. and yeah. Um, followed by a totally non foreshadowy news story about a lady getting bitten in public. <laughs> but the uh, but the kid who goes missing in the in the beginning of the movies. Uh, is one of his friends from school, is yeah. one of uh, Charlie's friends. Yeah, I think he used to be part of this little group that was Charlie, him, and Evil Ed. Um, yeah, and they used to film their videos dressed dressed <laughs> as like swords and sorcerers and all that kind of stuff. I have to say, I do very much like their little backyard live-action role-play videos that they do. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Like, over the credits, yeah. I would have liked to have seen more of that. That would have been quite fun. That would have been that would have been pretty cool. Show me the credits of the of their uh, of their little uh, battles in the backyard. Now I don't own it on any physical media, so it could well be the case that there's a lot more of that as a special feature. Yeah, but I'm not going to buy it to find it. I think no, what, I wouldn't buy it. I think that, <laughs> I think that when you see that stuff, and we'll get to it, but I think that when you see the kind of the films that they made when they were kids and stuff like that, you see so little of it, but it looks like so much has gone into making it for the film. So it seems a shame to not see more of it. Yeah. And I'm actually going to agree with you, Patrick. I do think Anton Yelchin's pretty good here. He's doing good work, and he's probably doing some of the best work in the film, Yeah, to be honest. I like Anton and um, Emojin uh, a lot. I think they're really great actors. They're in that movie uh, Green Room, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a great film. Which I, yeah, an amazing <laughs> film. But uh, I just I, didn't, I just identified with the Anton character here a little bit more, and I liked Tony Collette was great, and I thought if you if you ever been in Nevada, it's really cool. They they have these cul-de-sacs that are just in the middle of the desert, right. and they just it's like little villages, like you know in in, uh, in Scotland, but they're all. And I could see, like, I I'm, I like where they put the whole movie in. I thought the Vegas scenario was pretty cool. I liked Charlie. I liked the way they went to the, the high school and his friends got killed. I thought, I don't know, I thought, I thought it was very, it was different than the first movie, obviously. But if you're going to do it, you might as well do a little switch with it. And I liked the, what they did with Anton's character. And they switched him up and made him, you know, kind of a cool guy who used to be a nerd. Yeah. yeah, and that's not all. They've switched up. Obviously, they've switched up the location. They've switched up kind of the Charlie character a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what they've certainly switched up is the character of Jerry Dandridge. Yes, and I like. How would you guys think of Colin Farrell? I thought he was really good in it, though. I thought he was him and Chris. Uh, Chris Sarana did a, a really good version of Jerry, and he was a little bit different. But I, I liked. I liked what uh, Colin did actually. I respectfully disagree. You disagree. I, <laughs> I actually, um, from my limited research in the lead up to this episode, I read that Colin Farrell really didn't like the way that Jerry was written. Uh, oh, really? He was written to be far too sexually aggressive and predatorial. And he, I think he petitioned the writers quite hard to get that changed a little bit. And they just completely plowed on with it. <laughs> he, well, I know that there's this movie's been uh, around a lot. It was the first one. Actually, was supposed to take place at a uh, an amusement park. Right. Yeah, they had fright nights over here in amusement parks, and that's where the first script was. And then they changed it and they moved it to a, a, a Nevada town. Okay. Right, okay. Some little backstory there. Yeah. Um, I think that Colin Farrell here, I don't know, I kind of agree that I think that the Jerry character, there's a little less kind of likability there. But I don't know if I'd necessarily lay the blame for that at the feet of Colin Farrell. No, 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 no. I mean, like like I just said, he tried to kind of model the character a little bit more and kind of has requests fell on deaf ears it seems so yeah. he's very he is very predatorial in the movie. Oh, incredibly. As, as opposed to Chris is more... Uh, suave and demonor with like the way he like brings people over and everything like that so i love the back rooms i love when charlie goes into the house and he has that back room that he goes in and he finds uh i think her name was ginger the one of the girls that allowed so i don't know i thought that i thought that was interesting yeah yeah uh yeah the thing the thing that really gets me about jerry is that there's no reason to care about him or to like him at least in the and i don't really want to compare it too much to the original because they are aside from kind of character names and certain plot beats they are pretty different films uh like certainly that the entire third act of this is completely different from the original film um, but yeah. I think the one thing I would have liked to have 
have seen is just that a little remnant of humanity to Jerry. Like it was that kind of thing that the original Jerry has where he has a heart and he falls in love and he just kind of wants to reconnect with this love. And there's a couple of moments where you think, oh cool, they're going to do, they're kind of going to go down that road. We might see a different facet to them but they just they, they they don't at all see i didn't believe that love thing in, in the first one. Oh, okay <laughs> I didn't, yeah and i didn't re- i really didn't i didn't really like uh amanda bears as the uh as the love interest in the first one i right. i didn't i i thought her him and charlie her and charlie had no chemistry at all i i do have to agree with you there because i think and, like even when they were trying to have sex he was like oh you know i'm like oh, i don't think i i want to have sex with her but imagine poots is like i get the love attraction there because they do have some sort of chemistry going on there we we did say like right at the start when um there's this kind of are they going to fuck are they not going to fuck thing on the go i was saying to mitch like i don't care how many vampires live next door when i was his age yeah you, you could not stop me Vampire, <laughs> vampires can wait i can deal with them tomorrow like this is a what far more pressing matter yeah exactly at, at that age i didn't really care either. i was just more into, i was more into the into the girls i'd be like oh cool i got a vampire living next door you want to come over <laughs> <laughs> also also i think in that instance like uh, right before that happens um jerry had been around saying like oh i've got this girl coming over and i'm out of beer can i borrow some beer it's like that vampire vampire though he may be is going to be out of commission for the next little while there's nothing going on here that can't wait till the morning <laughs> yeah exactly but i really I, I actually like that scene because he doesn't invite him in a little bit and the beer drops yeah and it's sort of anton's way of almost believing because he's totally dismissed his friend ed and now he's sort of believing him a little bit and that's the turning point in the movie where he's like oh okay I think maybe Ed is really on to something. And I like the whole discovery of going over to Ed's house and, yeah. you know, looking through the uh, the videos that they took of, of Jerry and all that. I thought that was interesting. Where the first one, he just kind of, you're stupid, Brewster, you're dumb, you're crazy, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he gets and then he gets killed and he gets turned into a werewolf and he's like, come on, Brewster. <laughs> Where there wasn't really, Evil Ed really didn't have a backstory. He just thought he was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, which is great it's a great you know it's, it's fun character oh definitely but I don't feel like I would be so quick to dismiss the vampire next door and kind of label him an enemy like you said I think that would be quite cool yeah I mean uh, it was me I would like I said earlier I'd be like hey you guys want to come over I think I got a vampire living next door to me and I'd be like you know inviting my friends over to, to watch him and stuff like that <laughs> so but uh, and I like the Tony Collette character a lot too I thought she was a better mom than the first mom the mom in the uh, Fright Night just sort of uh, I think she just disappeared Really, we never really heard about her. I mean, she came in the one time, and then, but uh, you know, actually, I've had drinks with Tom Holland before, and I've always asked him questions about Friday night <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's fun. Um, I quite like the fact that uh, Jane Tony Collette's character, uh, Charlie's mom. I quite like the fact that she kind of gets a, like a kind of arc to herself. Oh yeah, she's got something to do. Yeah, and um, then, and Tony. Yeah, Collette, she, I, she, and they totally set up the spikes. You know, she's a she's a real estate agent. They show those spikes in the thing, and then and then uh, Jerry attacks them in the car. I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, three D scene. They sort of whip up because they just throw her in the, in a in a hospital in a coma. An <laughs> yeah. easy way to do that. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to do that character. Let's throw her in a hospital and put her in a coma. So it does kind of hit the sleep button on uh, her for a while. Exactly. Is that just a fear coma? I think, yeah, it wasn't a fear coma or something like that. She was like stressed out or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, she, which is, you know, lazy writing. Um, (laughs) uh, But no, I I do think that I do think that she's really good. I don't know. Like, she is really yeah. good and and yeah she does have a lot more to do and she has a more interest in life and more interest and involvement in charlie's life yeah i, I like emotion when she comes uh you know when she comes to the library because she, she definitely wants to have sex with charlie and charlie doesn't want to oh, yeah. and that's automatically she's like what is going on with you or you you know and i like the uh the, the other friends too uh, i think one was played by dave franco oh yeah 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 you know and they get a nice cool death yeah, so I, I totally forgot Dave Franco was in this until we yeah, watched, Dave, until we watched yeah, he's, it. And he's kind of funny, you know? Yeah. I love that, that Dave, did, Dave Franco just shows up in everything and plays Dave Franco. He does, Yeah, he's basically Dave Franco in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> but what I liked about it is they did the classic 80s 
sitcom, a- 80s, you know, movie here where, like, you know, the nerd guy, the can't buy me love plot, the nerd guy becomes the hip guy, and now he has to go back and, you know, rescue the nerds, and basically, and then, you know, all the all the, the jock guys get kind of uh, killed. I think so. that there's some of the some of the stuff um, between uh, Anton Yelchin, uh, Charlie, and uh, Ed, uh, Chris from Ince Plus. I think like some of the kind of the way that their relationship and the backstory of their relationship and their friendship uh, with the kid that went missing at the beginning sure. as well. Yeah. I think like some of that stuff looks really interesting, and I think that if there's anything that I would have liked to the kind of first half of the film to spend a little bit more time on, it was maybe that. I exactly agree. I agree with you a thousand percent. I thought uh, I thought Ed turned too fast. Yeah. I thought he got turned into a vampire too quick. I would have liked to seen a couple more scenes play out with Ed and Charlie, and then he goes missing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that would have been good. Yeah, it's because because yeah. I, I, I think that all, all the stuff that they do together, all this, all their screen time, their shared screen time, is really watchable. The, the relationship seems completely predicated on blackmail, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that's what friends do, don't they? Blackmail each other. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly like the exchange where he's talking about i will i'll tell everybody that you like lego and you like farscape and that you used my stretch armstrong as a masturbatory aid but i know but you know it's the funny thing about that is i think that would be cool today wouldn't that be cool everybody'd be like oh wow you use stretch armstrong as a masturbating tool i'd be like that's you're really cool dude i wouldn't be ashamed would you be ashamed of that i wouldn't be ashamed of that sales of stretch armstrong would skyrocket yeah i know i go hey you know yeah i used to do that kind of stuff I actually think that um, while we're talking about kind of like uh, chemistry between different kind of combinations of characters, I think that the Tony Collette, Imogen Poots, Anton Yelchin, uh, whenever yeah. whenever they're on screen together, I think that they're really likable as a three piece as well. They really sell the movie to me, and that's that's why I put it above the the original for just a hair because the Amanda and Will just really never had chemistry to me. Right. And I never really believed that they were really in love. And I never really believed that Jerry was mesmerized by Amy. Although, you know, he did remind her of, you know, love long, long, long time ago. Yeah. But uh, I just, I thought it was more believable between Charlie and Emotion in this one and Tony that I got their chemistry more than the previous film. Okay. But I will tell that I enjoyed the, the, the original Fright Night I think the Vampire Hunter's way better, yeah. but I know why. I know why they changed it because not everybody knows about Fright Nights. When I grew up, you had Vincent Price on TV, uh-huh. you had Elvira, you had uh, all these like crazy Halloween characters who would. We'd have uh, this show called uh, uh, Friday Night Frights, and yeah. we would watch it. Every, I'm, I'm sure it's all over the world. But they'd always have this kooky host come out, and then they moved it to Las Vegas. And I can see why they moved it to Las Vegas because they have the now they have all these Peter, they have all these great magicians there and all that. So I found that interesting, but not as cool as the past one. Yeah, I I, I think the 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 difference in Peter Vincent certainly as a character is absolutely startling. Um, on the one hand, you've got Roddy McDowell playing essentially yeah. playing an old guy, and then you've got David Tennant here, pretty much playing Chris Angel. Yeah, he's he's basically playing Chris Angel. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked the uh, the backstory that they gave to him too. That you know his parents were killed by a vampire. You know, and he has all these relics in the in uh, in his like little house and all that stuff. That he buys from eBay when he's drunk. Yeah, he buys from eBay when he's drunk. <laughs> I like that he took off the wig and all that stuff. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually really like uh, that the first kind of moment and like in Peter Vincent's apartment when he stri- yeah. strips off the kind of facade yeah. of Peter Vincent, if you like, just really slowly, even down to when he's like washing off the tattoos on his neck with booze at the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny. It's 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 good stuff. Um, what do we think of David Tennant here? I like David Tennant. I I think David Tennant's great. I don't think he's Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I I know that uh, actually, when I talked to Tom a long time ago, I know that he wanted actually Vincent Price as the role 
but uh, of, as Peter Vincent, but he didn't want to play it because he was t- being typecast. I'm like, dude, you've been typecast since like the 40s as being a yeah. <laughs> being a horror icon. Yeah, that's a really weird time to start worrying about that. But, yeah. Exactly. It's like, dude, you're in your 70s. Don't stop, you know. But, but then I wouldn't even say that that is a typecast for Vincent Price because that's kind of thumbing his nose at everything he's done in the past. And that, to me, that's an interesting thing to do. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it would have been a lot better with it, Vincent Price. I'd have been like, a, "Oh, that's 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 really cool." You know, it's sort of you know, you're playing to what you, you're playing to what you know as the audience. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought, what do you, what you guys think of David Tennant? I liked him. I thought he was good. I think that his, I think that the way the character plays it here is one of the things. It's like the biggest reaction to its counterpoint in the original. And yes. I think that, and if that's the way you're going, then I think that, um, yeah, it couldn't be more different. And I think that he is. Yes. I liked the underground layer type thing. You know, I like, I enjoyed all that. Uh, the only thing I did, I did miss the big, who's the big brawny guy in the, in the first one? Oh, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, Jerry's familiar, the guy that lives with yeah. him and kind of, yeah. kind of, I missed him because I liked his death in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Jerry seems to be very much uh, a lone a loner. hunter in this. Uh, obviously, he's got his little uh, group of, I don't know, vampires in the walls underneath his house. But uh, certainly, yeah, he seems to very much prowl around on his own. And I thought, I thought the special effects were okay for three D. Oh, I mean, I saw. That you thought they were terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, here's another point where I'm going to have to disagree with you. Here, the car, the car ride is pretty bad 3D. But I, I guess when you get into 3D territory, though, it's all. I mean, my the gold standard of 3D for me is Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. That's the gold standard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and then uh, and then probably House of Wax from the 50s. I like that one too. Okay. But yeah, some of the 3D was pretty shoddy. Like um, the whole glass coming at you and stuff. I think that also that there's something kind of um it's kind of inherently a little bit weird when I mean I, I didn't like I, said, I didn't see this in uh, the cinema when it came out or anything like that I saw it on home release uh, a little bit later so I think it's weird when you see something that's obviously supposed to be presented in 3D and you never say it that way because it's everything that's like relics from the 3D presentation always look awkward and they always look a little bit strange yeah they they look really weird but when yeah, you watch when you just watch them in 2D you're like oh this looks really bad uh, yeah that, there's uh, there's <laughs> some uh, yeah some pretty bad ones here. It almost forces you as well to do things that actually look a bit jarring when they're sometimes when they are in 3D, um, but more often when they're not in 3D, like having computer generated blood, which never looks good anyway. Oh no, it looks awful. Yeah, and I don't know why producers always want to put it in there. Oh, we need to add some digital blood. Why? It looks terrible. It really does. Yeah. Like, you know, really does. But I can understand. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't do it for 3D too, because it'd be it'd be easy to do. You just gotta spray it at the camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did it in. They did it in Friday Thirteenth Part Three, so <laughs> Friday Thirteenth Part Three get a lot of air time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, sorry. No, I just I, I went to a screening of it and they actually showed it in three D not too long ago and it was pretty awesome, you guys. Oh, that cool. was, see, I don't think I've ever seen Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in three D. Oh, it's it's awesome. It'll change your life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, getting back, the the three D is shy. It's pretty shy, and then I, I don't know why they chose to shoot it in three D. I don't think it really added anything to the story. Or yeah, I, it feels like a weird choice to me in hindsight. Anyway, like watching it back now, I think that it, it, it does seem like a really yeah. good call. I but was... doesn't what was it during that time where everybody was making stuff into three D? Though remember that t- we had a brief period there where like after uh, Avatar came out, that everything was going to be in 3D. I think on the 3D timeline here, I guess, I could be wrong, I think that you are shortly after Final Destination 5, but before Texas Chainsaw 3D. Okay, okay. Okay. But for me, 3D should... There should be moments where the 3D makes it worthwhile, like, spending the money to do it. Like, there should be something big that... You're like, wow, that's that's really cool. I could see why that would that what I can imagine that looking great in 3D, having obviously watched it in 2D. But I don't think there's anything like that in here. But but I, I found myself no. going, oh, I kind of wish I'd seen that bit in 3D. Like it was yeah, just very the, much like eh. it doesn't it, it it doesn't matter if you watch. It's like you, there's nothing in the movie where you go, oh wow, I really want to see that in 3D. <laughs> and it might and I don't know if they actually shot with 3D cameras or not. I'd have to look that up. But I they might have uh, converted it post which also makes it even doubly worse yeah, yeah a lot so. of this 3d stuff just looks like it just looks like digital add-ins like it doesn't yeah. actually look like it's been filmed that way it looks like it looks like my nephew trying to make something 3d on a, on a computer <laughs> <laughs> 
it looks bad. Just this, this is a total non sequitur, but um, and I and I don't think I would have clocked it if it didn't for the fact that if it wasn't for the fact that when I was watching this, I had uh, I was taking notes with one hand and I had the cast list sitting open on my phone as well. That um, when early on when Charlie goes to Ed's house, his mom's played by Lisa Loeb. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. No, <laughs> like, I, I th- and I think Chris Sarandon's in it somewhere too, isn't he? He is. He is. Uh, j- his character's JD. You know when they're driving down the road and they they crash and the guy pulls up in the car. Is that's Chris Sarandon? That's right? Chris Sarandon there. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and then and Colin Farrell lifts a car on his back. <laughs> Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. Classic uh, scene, you guys. Classic scene. <laughs> well, it, it might be cl- a classic scene if his face, the digital work they've done in his face, didn't look fucking terrible. Oh, God, it looked terrible. It, it did. I, I agree with you guys. It looks the, the digital stuff in this movie uh, wasn't by the best team. I'm guessing that this film had a good whack of money behind it. It couldn't have been that hard to slap a couple. I of think it was. On. I want to say twenty million. That's 20 to 30. That's quite wow. a lot. That's quite Yeah, a lot. I think as opposed to the first one, the first Friday night, I think uh, I think they it was uh gosh, I don't I want to I want to say it was it was done relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. And they didn't they and when, after talking to Tom, they left him alone pretty much because they didn't think the movie was going to do anything. They didn't really care for it at all. So they sort of just like they left it alone. They thought that movie Perfect. Remember that movie Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis and oh, John, John Travolta? Yeah. yeah, they thought that was going to be their big moneymaker that, that summer. And it was actually Fright Night, actually, with their big moneymaker. Oh, okay. That's a far less sexy experience than Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gotta be honest. But come on, you guys, you have to like Imagine Poots better than, than Amanda Burris. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree uh, totally with that. And I, I actually think that Jerry and Amanda Burris' relationship is more believable than Amy and Charlie's in the original. Uh, yeah, because, because it, when, and there's like when the Amy first sees, you know, Jerry, it's just, there's nothing like, you know, they're supposed to have this kinetic, you know, romance to it. And I just didn't believe it at all. <laughs> I'm mean, well, certainly I, closer in age. Also, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I've got. Um, uh, I've got a lot. Um, a long-standing uh, soft spot for Imogen Poots. Yeah, me that. too. Yeah. That's probably. That's probably why I tend to like it so much because I'm just like, gosh, I love her. She's just. She's awesome. Yeah. She's really great, and I also love Colin Farrow too. I think he does a lot of great stuff. I think he has recently done a lot of great stuff. Obviously, like, In Bruges is great and Seven Psychopaths is good. Yeah. I think the past couple of years, like, Killing of a Sacred Deer and stuff like that, he's done some really interesting stuff. Like, I, he's kind of stepped mm-hmm. out of type. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I mean, I just think the, the overall cast of the remake is better. I think Anton, I'm bummed that we lost him, oh, is, yeah. uh, was one of my favorite actors uh, and Tony Collette, I mean, she, she's in every horror, new horror classic, you yeah. know, that we can get her, her performance in Hereditary is great. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, Superb. that's, yeah, that's, that's otherworldly, but she's been great. Everybody's like, oh my God, she's so great. I go, dude, she's been great. And since Muriel's wedding, it's like, dude, she's, she's a great actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. See, um, one thing that I kind of kicked myself for was see um, yeah. as we kind of get into when uh, Charlie starts exploring and kind of breaks into Ed's house and goes down no, into Jerry's house forgive me and goes into the basement you kind of see the prison and that kind of thing yeah yeah. see um, and there aren't many jump scares in this film and I was so mad at myself that the, that the hand smacking against the spy hole got me I know me. Oh, it's, such a, it's such a it's such a cliche gotcha moment too you know yeah and, it's, and, it's, and as soon as it did it and I jumped I was like you fucking bastard Bastard. <laughs> but I liked that. But I liked that it was the ginger character from earlier in the movie. You know, it sort of ties everything in. Where you know she's trying to, you know, and Charlie's trying to help her, and then she like. And I like how she uh, just evaporated at the end when uh, when he brought her out to the sunlight when he got her out. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I like that. I like that. Yeah, one. I, I I thought she. I mean, uh, you know, going back to the bad digital design, I I would have much rather her, you know, die in a cooler fashion. You know, like right. melt or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think I, I do agree with that. I think, but like, um, it's it, I think it's a cool idea. But yeah, you're right. The digital yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was of... a little bit too <laughs> instantaneous for me. That she was there. Yeah, she kind of just goes up like like flash paper. Oh yeah, no, yeah. That she did. Yeah, she goes. It's it's. I don't know. I think they didn't really think it through. I, mean, <laughs> I think they really. Sh- I think they should have been like, oh, hey, what are we gonna do? Oh, we'll just you know, we'll just 
you know, we'll just digitize her and make her go away real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of doing something cool, you know, with real makeup and effects and making her just like melt on the lawn, it would have been so much better. Yeah, something a little bloodier or a little bit more... Yeah, and it just explode into Charlie's hands and just covered in blood. Been, <laughs> now we're talking. You know, would have been awesome. There is that, you know, that whole argument about uh, should CG be complementary? Like, I, I firmly believe that it should. It should ever only be, really be used as a kind of complement to what you've managed to kind of put together and build. It doesn't seem like they built anything for this. Like, it didn't look like she had the slightest bit of makeup on and then they just enhanced it digitally. It looks like they just went, right, we'll just take the actress away and then she's gone and then we'll just do a digital effect. I um, think, I don't know if that falls on the director's, no, I, I don't know if he would have fought, you know, I, I you do go into some stuff, you know, knowing that, that you're going to do practical effects and sometimes the practical effects don't work. So you have to add just a little, just have to add a little bit in there. But this movie didn't seem like they wanted to do practical effects. Oh God, no, no. I mean, (laughs) I think that's, and it's like the, it's like the thing, the remake of the thing was like, dude, you, why, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. But but then there's that amazing you, video out there of the remake of the thing, which shows you, all the, sorry, the, the pre All the practical facts, yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, why didn't, it's, it's, you know, it's like I Am Legend with Will Smith. They had all these great characters that were all covered in makeup chasing him around, and they erased them all and put digital people in there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? By the way, we've, so, we've thrown a fair amount of shade at the director, but Craig Gillespie's a good filmmaker. Like, he's great, yeah. Yeah, he's a, and he's a really good filmmaker. And getting back to the CGI stuff, I think a, a lot of it falls on producers where they think it's going to be cheaper in the yeah. long run, and it's actually not because you know everybody knows that you, you're just burning money by the time you get the post. Yeah. So that if when it, if whatever you have in camera is going to be better than paying somebody to put that there. Yeah. So yeah. I want to touch on something with David Tennant because obviously he kind of uh, he becomes a kind of main game player as this progresses. Sure. Um, yeah. See the woman who lives with him. Yeah. In uh, yeah. his kind of apartment. What is their relationship? Because they seem to hate each other. That's incredibly toxic. It's, it's, what it is. Yeah. it's very hostile. I, it's, I think it's a very drunk. I live in Las Vegas type of uh, relationship. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's like doesn't isn't she part of the of her of his like ladies to do the show with him? Yes. Yeah, she is. She is also Sofia Vergara's adopted sister. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Sandra? Yeah. Is that what so, her name is? Something like that. Uh, some name yeah, is certainly Vergara and I thought it was too coincidental so I looked into it. Oh, interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, um, I th- I think that the stuff between those two are, is pretty funny. I think that um but I just kind of yeah, I, c- I couldn't I couldn't suss it out but uh, yeah. yeah it was like, a strange it was a strange choice. Why would you why did you want to give him somebody that, you know, obviously doesn't, you know, come back and play a major role in the movie, you know? Yeah. I think you I think it's better that leave. Uh what I really liked the first one was uh that he was just a loner. You know, he was just some broke broke down TV guy living in an apartment. I guess there still is that element of it because obviously Peter Vincent and the remake is a really troubled guy like literally yeah. all, all he does is drink and he seems to have a massive love for maduri which is a horrible drink yeah I mean, dude i like it i like that drink that's a good drink oh come on oh <laughs> uh, and uh but but he does have a bigger backstory than the peter in the first movie where he's like you know his parents were killed by vampires and you know and he's been traumatized by this for the you know his whole entire life and everything mm-hmm but then I like, and I, I kind of like in the original that he's just a guy who runs a TV show and he's like, yeah. I don't fucking know. I don't know about vampires. I, I, I read a script. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I, I mean, that's what I liked about both of them. And I, uh, the Peter Vincent, the first one, is like just this sort of guy who owns this TV station, works at this TV station, and he has a, you know, apartment. Like when you're a kid, you always think these people are on these you see on TV, you're like, Oh gosh, these guys, you know, they must live in like a penthouse. And then you go and they like live in some ramshack apartment on the outskirts of town. I think that I mean it, it obviously it is really different, but I think that if it's a it's a sensible thing to change yes from right, original yeah. remake. I've, I'm, so yeah, I've I've got no real I've got no real problem with that place out. I have less of a problem with the change of Peter Vincent than I do of Jerry. Aye. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I think Jerry I, I mean I think they could have 
they could have done him a little bit better. Yeah, my big issue I'm, is that he's irredeemable. There's nothing, nothing at all that makes him particularly charming. He is just extremely, <laughs> utterly threatening from the minute you meet him. Like, see the bit where he's trying to get the beer off Charlie? That is one of the most threatening performances I've ever seen. Yeah, he's he's not very charming at the front. I mean, he just... The, I think they went like, "Oh, look, he's hot. He's Colin Farrell," but he <laughs> comes across. But he comes across as like uh, very uh, uh, aggressive. <laughs> Why? I'm kind of we can't you, and you can't really unpick this. But I think that I'm kind of I always wonder about stuff like this because obviously now you watch a performance like that and you're like, "Oh, that's really predatorial and awful." Uh-huh. Yeah. But I mean, the whole kind of conversation and the way people talk about how male characters and predatory behavior being passed off as charisma—that's changed really rapidly. Yeah, sure. In the last yeah, few sure. years, and I think that if you were watching that with two th- with two thousand and eleven eyes, I don't know if we'd necessarily be coming down as hard on this as we are now. Well, that's that's because I'm using the word threatening and the way he's dealing with Charlie. I'm not specifically speaking about anything to do with the way he treats female characters. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm speaking more that first scene with him and Charlie at the kitchen door is incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, but I think he's supposed to be uncomfortable with that in that scene. Yeah, yeah, sure. But you're right about the 2011 thing. It's like oh, things have changed so much that I think if you made this movie today, I think you would have to you dial him back a little bit. 100%. Yeah. I 100%. also think you'd pull back on uh, Peter Vincent and that women's relationship, some of the dialogue yeah. between, certainly some of the stuff he's thrown at her. Yeah, I think you would have to change that as well, which is which is odd, but, you know, that's just the times we live in. Yeah, they, like, yeah a lot of that stuff's changed really rapidly. I think that... Um, the way this film is paced is a little strange to me. I think that it does its best work um, in the second act. Right. I think what, like, yeah. when when um, kind of you're seeing a little bit more of um, Charlie interacting with Peter Vincent and them kind of sussing things out and putting together a plan, I think in the first act, the fact that uh, Charlie talks to Ed and Ed immediately posits that Jerry is a vampire, his theory sounds like wild speculation and turns out to be 100% right. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that the investigation part, I, again, is just something that I think maybe could have stood to maybe have had a little bit, maybe like 10 more minutes thrown behind it. it feels, I agree. I I agree a thousand percent. I like I I really like the opening of this. I really like all the way up until up until I think Ed gets killed a, a little bit too fast. I would have liked to seen that go on a little bit longer for the build up. Yeah. And then and then I think Colin Farrell's character uh, attacks the house too fast too. Yeah, yeah I that, agree. That's what I was just going to come on to talk about because that's kind yeah. of the the kind of this is midway through the the second act. I would say leading us into the the third act, uh, which kind of kicks off with Charlie's mum in the hospital. I would say. Yeah, yeah. But this whole bit from him trying to get into the house, being told he can't get into the house, digging up a gas main, exploding yeah. the house. I find this stuff extremely difficult to to deal with. Uh, at, like. I think they could have. I think they could have approached that in a different way, or at least pushed it a little bit longer. What's the running time of this movie, by the way? Uh, hour forty-five. <laughs> hour, yeah, that's too long already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't add any. You can't add any more without taking something away. Yeah, you can't exactly. But uh, I like. You know, I liked where the characters went after that. I think getting them there should have been. Uh, they could have done a little bit better fashion. But I kind of liked him blowing up the house. I thought it was big and crazy. And then he, <laughs> you know, and then they get, up. and then they get on the road, and they're driving, and then he flies on top of the car, and then the shows up. I thought that was all cool, and then he she she stabs him with the, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, the real estate sign. I thought that was all. I thought I, it, it all worked for me. I think, I think when she stabs him with the sign, it's extremely funny the way he's kind of scattering around. Well, that because it's bad CGI. That's why you think it's funny. No, I just think he, it looks quite funny. It looks though. funny when he's going. <laughs> It's kind of comical. Yeah. He also throws a motorcycle uh, through the back window of the car, which is. Yeah, and I think that was a a 3D missed opportunity. 100%. Yeah. Like when you see it, when you see it, you're like, oh, that didn't work. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Something like that, where it's like, oh, that would have looked cool in 3D. Because, yeah, when that happened, we were watching it, me and Andy were watching it together. And when that happened, I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck was that? Yeah, when you watch it in 2D, you're like, you don't even know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in 3D, even when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, uh, that's probably sounded better on paper. Yeah. Than it, they actually executed it. Like, you know, I could see him in the room. I'm going to throw that motorcycle through the back window and it's going to come right in your face and the wheel's going to be spinning. See, he also, took, the, like, he also took the time to start it. He, he also yeah, he's like, 
That, yeah, he takes the time to start it and did it. That's pretty uh, funny. Um, I think that I think one thing that kind of sucks some of the uh, some of the air out of this as a moment is the fact that you see the motor uh, the motorcycle coming through the windshield in side profile. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, because they, it makes it very difficult to decide what you're looking at until you see it falling away, and by that point, the moment's kind of gone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You should. It just should. It just should have came right through the window. Bam. Yeah. And then go to the side profile where you can see it a little bit more flapping its wheels. I also thought it was weird that Jerry gives chase in his car because we see that he's quite adept at leaping around and moving quite quickly. I would have quite liked to have seen him running alongside the car. Yeah, and I, but I like I liked his bad version when he comes under the car and all that stuff and he lifts it up. I like all that stuff. And I think the uh, the scene inside the the casino or the the scene inside the, uh, the Peter's, casino Peter's flat is is better than the one you know in in the, in the previous one. Yeah, I think that this is one of the better moments in it. When um, so yeah, there's the kind of like the foot chase that kind of takes yeah. him into this kind of like yeah, it's kind of like it's like a nightclub slash casino type setup. Yeah, yeah, but um, obviously, yeah, the way the security guy kind of restrains Charlie, and he's got oh, no, no choice th- but to kind of like look on. We're not talking; about, we're talking about something else. I think we're talking about actually in Peter's apartment. Oh, sorry, you know, no, the- I, I was talking about going through the going through the nightclub. Scene. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, much. Because the last, the, the previous one, he, they just show up and they're dancing, and then and Amanda versus and him have this like weird moment where they're they don't look like they're attracted to each other, and then he whisks her off. Where this one's a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more uh, believable. By yeah. the way, quick relation to Friday the Thirteenth Part Three there in the original one because one of the bouncers is one of the bikers in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Oh really? We're getting a lot of Friday the Thirteenth in this. Great. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel I feel like the. Friday night to Friday the 13th part 3 ratio is like 60-40 right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I That's think... That's fine. 30-second <laughs> synopsis on Friday the 13th part 3. Um, I think it's... But I think this is really good. I think it's one of the more effective moments in the film when uh, obviously kind of Amy's in real danger and yeah. the security guard obviously completely misreads the situation as you would. Uh, yeah. Kind of restrains Charlie, and he kind of just has to look on while she gets bitten repeatedly. I think that's um, that's one of the better moments in the third act. I think. And I like the ch- uh, chopping a uh, old uh, evil head up. I thought that was pretty funny, although yeah. it was badly CGI. Yeah, he, he 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 appears incredibly abruptly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does. Yeah, he's gone for so long, like so so. Oh, long. dude, he disappears for like hours. Um, I quite I quite like the way that he's invited in. Posing as a delivery man, I think. Sure. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I quite like that. But yeah, when he reappeared, yeah. I was like, "Fuck, man, where have you been?" Yeah, exactly. Do we like Christopher Mintz Plus here? Yeah, I like him. I think it's great. I mean, he's just playing a, a you know, a McLovin. He's just playing another version of McLovin. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the problem with him. But I don't know. If but did you guys really though. like the? Did you guys really like uh, the other guy? What was his name? Not particularly. He's a little bit screamy for me. <laughs> Um, You're crazy, Charlie. You're crazy. That's all he does the entire time. Yeah, but I do like when he gets like the 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 crucifix in his forehead. I thought that was pretty good in the yeah. first one. Um, I <laughs> think that when you look at Christopher Mintz Plass in anything, I think that it's very difficult to not see McLovin. And I think I find it impossible to tell whether or not I think that that's his fault. I think it's one of those things where everyone saw Superbad, everyone knew McLovin, and basically, I think that it's to be commended that it was only a couple of years after that that he spun the wheel on something like this. Right. Um, and I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, if, I mean, if you're going to play a character, you might as well just play him all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, um, <laughs> but I just think, it's like, yeah, I think that he's... McConaughey's always, made a career out of it. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But I, th- I think Christopher Mintz-Blass will always have um, a problem, and maybe it's not a problem, but yeah. I think that, I don't know if he'll ever be able to extricate himself from being McLovin. He seems to have disappeared... I haven't seen him in anything for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and, but that's what, and, and get, that's a good, really good uh, thing you guys brought up because Anton, I've seen him in so many different movies, uh-huh. and he's still so believable in this, you know. And then it's like a couple years later, he's in the Star Trek reboot, mm-hmm. and the, I just think he's a better actor than the previous ones. I just, I, I just really like his Charlie character in this. I just think he's he goes through this. Uh, this change where, you know, he, he, he recognizes what he was in the past, you know, he you know, recognizes that he was kind of an asshole to Ed. And then he realized, you know, and, he, and now he's going to try to make up for it and, you know, save his girlfriend and, you know, and kill Jerry. And, and I like that he comes, that it's a different angle on the Charlie character that they just didn't redo the same thing they did in the first one. Yeah. yeah. I, th- this is probably a reasonable juncture to ask this question. Performance wise, 
who do we think is the MVP here? Anton, you're uh, I think it's Anton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that he brings a lot to the table. And I think that also, I think that his relationship with every human character in this is really believable. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, here, this is an interesting thing we get up to. Who's the best Charlie? I would say Anton Yelchin. Yeah, I, I um, mean, yeah, I would say so. Okay. Who's the best Jerry? Chris Sarandon. I'm going to say Chris Sarandon yeah, too. I yeah. say Chris Sarandon too. Who's the best Evil Ed? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, go with, I go with Chris Rimmons because he has a better backstory. Right, okay. 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 Now Peter Vincent, I'd go with Roddy McDowell. There's no. Yeah. There's no. Now yeah, they, Amy, they, they're all. They're, but they're they're almost incomparable. Your two Peter Vincents, I think. Yeah, but Roddy's great. Though. Ah, Roddy's yeah. yeah. Oh, Roddy's I still I still agree bad. with you 100. percent 100. percent Now Amy, who's the best Amy? Emotion. <laughs> exactly. And then then you got the mom, and obviously Tony's better than the best mom. So it's sort of. Almost tied. If, if, on. If, yeah, if, if you if you if if you're going with that metric alone. Yeah. <laughs> but story wise, now you talk about story wise. I think this one has a better opening. I like that opening. Cool, where they you go in and it's you know and it's fright night on uh, Peter Vincent and the kid gets dragged under and he's got the you know he's got the gun and and he and he uh, dies. But see to yeah. me that just reads like um, oh we need something exciting to happen in the first three pages. It's, it's very it's very two thousands. It's very yeah. you know well, we we have we have we got to open bigger or the audience is going to get bored. <laughs> you know? Where the other one how does the other one open up? It just it opens him. I'm sure with a pat just like credits at the start then a pan down into Charlie I think into Charlie's bedroom window and he's watching Peter Vincent. Um, and are they making? Are they making out? I believe so. Make- yeah, I believe. Okay. I, I believe they are making out. Yeah, and I think it starts quite similarly. And then he, before you know it, he's peering out the window like something at a rear window, like watching Jerry uh, skulking about, winking at him from next door. Yeah, I like that opening too. I mean, yeah. I mean, I honestly, guys, I like both movies. That's why I picked them because I know the uh, the remake gets a lot of lot of hate and then uh i was we, i always talked to aj about it and we was like yeah he he's, he backs me up so well then well yeah and then <laughs> yeah. jaws the revenge what did he say about jaws the revenge uh, the episodes Terrible. the episodes out there man it's out there. <laughs> i have to watch it yeah he's um, episodes he's... out there he loved it he also knows the novelization inside out yeah the novelization is great the novelization goes on to uh, a bunch of different uh weird weird areas oh that, that was a, that was a really illuminating conversation and a lot of that was from uh novelization novelization yeah. tidbits <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but i mean that's you know when you guys asked me to come on the show i'm like yeah you know what i'm gonna pick friday night because everybody bags on it and you know seeing it in the drive-in was a blast i really did like seeing it in the drive-in. yeah yeah i have my hand up to ask a question Go on. yes is there a point in this film where Amy throws water from the Holy Grail into Jerry's face? Uh huh. Does yep. that does that happen? That did I see that there was a chalice that was already filled with water under a glass dome? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fairly certain. Right. Okay. That Fairly certain. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. There's a. There's a. You know. There's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I do love? I love a tooling up montage. Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, and I like that song. What's the song that plays over the uh over the uh over the title sequence? Oh god, I don't know. I know at the end it's like uh it's a cover of uh, 99 problems. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but the song that plays over the uh, the uh the, the the fright night thing is is really really good. I don't know. Oh, I I, I, at this I moment, remember. I've got something down that says irritating metal. <laughs> irritating metal. Yeah. I, I don't know what that. And, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, I think that where this film threatens to lose me a little bit as it heads into the third act, I feel like there's a lot of set pieces one after the other. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I think they. I think they wanted to spend their budget. Yeah, and and then they do with aplomb. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, and so it's you know it's and and I, I don't mind that. I liked it. I liked that it got a little bit bigger, got a little bit crazier. You know, the first one was basically you know just everything just took place in the house pretty much. So yeah. and this one they they branched out a little bit and went a little bit more crazier. I mean, they blew up a house. They threw you know motorcycles through windows. They, <laughs> they go through. You know, they go this underground <laughs> lair, which is really cool. I thought the underground lair was pretty cool. I find yeah. my, that's, that's I find myself really struggling with his kind of vampire army, and when Peter Vincent pulls out the kind of stake gun, like the kind of revolving stake gun. Yeah, that's the point. I'm like, oh, God. oh is, is, that where, is that where you checked out? You're like, I'm checked out. I'm just like, oh, it's just <laughs> one 
daft thing after another. <laughs> See, while I while I would admit, I would agree, sorry, that it is kind of one daft thing after another, I quite like the state gun. <laughs> yeah, I like the state gun. It just... It just helps you in. Hey, what can we bring in the movie? Oh, let's put a state gun in there. Okay, that sounds good. I do th- I do like his little joke when it breaks and he's like, uh, something like, ah, fucking eBay or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I like this performance a lot, though. I thought David Tennant was great. I thought it was a good choice, too. I think it's an interesting choice. It's just a kind of, like, it's it's such a strange yeah. call. He'd and still have been Doctor Who, I think, at this time. Yeah, he was, he was. and But it was just, like, totally cast against type. Just such a strange call. But I think, yeah, he's 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 doing good. He's doing good stuff in here. I actually like the, I like the scenery a lot. I like the, 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 the way that they shot in Nevada. I think they shot in New Mexico, actually. Yeah. But I like the way, it, 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 I just, I like the way it looked. I like the way that the houses looked. They were very boxy, very desert town. Yeah, that is something I actually quite like. I like the move from uh, kind of leafy suburbia, like like the burbs, uh, and into the the desert. It actually kind of feels more hostile and kind of yeah. isolated. And I heard that Spielberg, am I wrong? That Spielberg had input making the movie too. Like he was he storyboarded it and stuff like that. Yeah, I read that he, too. Yeah, I read it. He and was... he helped edit during my research of Fright Night 2011. <laughs> yes, that's what we like to hear. I read that Spielberg actually had something in there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, yeah, I can't believe... Oh, they did. It's $30 million. I'm looking at the budget right now. Right. Oh, sorry, and the box office was $41 million. So there's a lot of people like myself who went to go see Friday Night 2011. Yeah. But but not that many, if you think about it. What's that? No, it's not. I mean, that's, that's not... A, that's not kind of a, a world-changing kind of profit. Yeah. Um, it was, a, you guys, it was better. You got to admit, it's better than Friday Night Two. Well, hang on, because <laughs> I know they did a sequel to this. Oh, they did do a sequel to this. I, I have not seen it. I have not seen that either. I, uh, I did again a little bit of brief looking around online before we came up to do this, and it looks utterly terrible. I know. That, <laughs> I, know that I can only imagine. I'm sure the budget was twenty dollars. <laughs> filmed entirely in Romania, the lead character, I believe, a female, is called Jerry, as in Jerry Halliwell, surname. Standridge. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, they uh, shot. They shot in where? Romania. Yeah. No. I always shoot in Romania. Romania's cool. Yeah, I, I've been to Romania. It's lovely. Um, and apparently, it's quite cheap to, to film there. Yeah. Yeah, I just shot, I shot a movie in Serbia and uh, Tbilisi, Georgia. All right. Okay. Yeah, and it, it, they they it was crazy. <laughs> they, it, you know, it's this cheap to film. They just built everything. Right. So, and I know that new crawl movie, the giant alligator movie, or the alligator, uh, oh. was shot in it was shot in Serbia. Oh, Alex Asher's new film. Yeah, shot in Serbia. Right. What right. do we think of how Jerry dies here? What do we think of the the final plan? I think it's better than the first one. I like it. The, for me, it goes back to the practical effects of him melting and all that. Um, you know, disintegrating thing. Um, I think that at this point, I was hitting a particularly heavy stretch of CGI fatigue. Yeah, I was too. I, I agree with you guys a lot at the end. There's just too much CGI being thrown in my face at the end. Yeah, but um, but um, in terms of the actual, in terms of the actual burn, that's cool and stuff here. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty into that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's clearly some stunt work going on there. Um, and then they've they've done some digital tomfoolery. I like the it. vampire army. You guys don't like the vampire army coming out of the... I don't have a massive problem with the vampire army. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss straight past that, actually, because um, I actually like the way that whole sequence plays out. It's extremely right. funny when Jerry throws that tiny little pebble. Yeah. And, and, it, <laughs> and it hits Peter in the head, and he's like, is that a, a pebble? <laughs> And then, like, you guys, you guys are getting me pumped. I want to watch it again. <laughs> That's what you're doing straight after this, isn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna go straight right. I'm, I'm actually gonna look up that sequel. I gotta watch that sequel. I gotta see what oh, that's about. Um, uh, Fright Night Two: New Blood. Apparently, oh, I just, oh. I just went and um, uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, the it's apparently just plays out like a gender swap remake. Apparently. Okay. All right. Okay. Sounds, uh, yeah, so uh, take what you want from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like like I say, I think that um, the way that he actually dies in the end, I have no particular problem with. I think that it had been kind of extremely chaotic and extremely CGI for a very long time before that, to the point that I kind of felt like I was a little bit kind of snapped out of a little bit of kind of ennui with the thing at that point. Right. Um, yeah. But it did, like it kind of it pulls back around like kind of nicely, and then there's the. Flash forward to Vegas at the end, where um, are they living with Peter Vincent at this point? Yeah, that that was odd. I think that's like one of those things. Hey, we need a sequel button. 
So let's let's throw something crazy at the end. So that seem, are they living with him or what are they doing? <laughs> it's like it's it's they're certainly fucking in his living room. Is it? Yeah, they're oh, they are definitely fucking. <laughs> yeah, they're a hundred percent about to bone down in his living room, and he just and he just comes in and just kind of they all kind of crack wise at each other for a little while, and then he just heads out, and then they just get back to it. And uh, credits. No, Charlie goes with him. Oh yeah, Charlie yeah, goes, Charlie with, goes him. with him. Just leaving yeah. Imogen puts like. Like the leaves of, are there. Yeah, totally yeah, blue balls. Like, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one thing about this movie. It's like, dude, how can you leave emotion poops everywhere? I'd be like, I, I don't give a fuck if Jerry's living next door to me. That are there are be, so many. I'm times. gonna be all over poops all overnight. <laughs> No, there, are, there are so many times where uh, he's like, he just leaves her. He's like, you need to forget about me and stuff like that. And I was like, are you fucking dumb? <laughs> yeah, like the library scene. I'm like, come on, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, and, and, she wants to, she wants to fuck you in the library. Come on, that's my, that's everyone's dream. I'm gonna say what's I know. That. Come on, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's. Uh, you know what I was saying about how um, everything that Anton Yeltsin uh, does in this film and his relationship with the yeah. characters are believable. That's not believable to me. Right. That's no, your biggest yeah. problem is yeah. that he he kept running the away. Biggest from... logic flaw in this entire thing. Right. Okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to look at it. it, it what I don't know. You, I mean, you got to look at it, what you would do. And I was like, I would, I would have sex with emotion. Then she, I'd, she'd leave, and then I would go look at Jerry. I wouldn't even. You know what I mean? It wouldn't even take me long. It wouldn't even take me long. I would, yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna have sex with you. Okay, goodbye. It's like, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look out the window at Jerry now. <laughs> I could quite easily fit it into my busy vampire watching schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, and I wouldn't be. I mean, if my friends started messing, I guess I'd start. I guess I'd, you know, be, you know, devastated yeah. by it. But I'd still have fine time to have sex with it. Yeah, I, I need to. I just. I need to postpone this plan by like fifteen, maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. exactly. And Peter Vincent's a man of the world. He's been round the block. He could have waited a wee minute, like, and let this happen. Charlie's eighteen years old. Like I've yeah. just said, it's not going to take long. And it, it's terrible motorcycle. You can't fix that motorcycle with a shit either. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that they're working together now. They seem to be some kind of business partners. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I don't think Peter has become the legal guardian because of the mum's fear coma. Oh, is the mom? Is the mom still in the fear coma? No, no. She calls at the end. She, oh, she calls. She, she, right. Yeah, she's. Oh, like, she does. She calls at the end. She's recuperating. What's up, what's up with Jerry's dumpster? Why does he have a giant dumpster in the in the front yard? Did, did that ever get explained? Well, it was because he's. Ex- I think it's because he's excavating in the basement. Oh, he's he's digging out the basement and they're yeah. like, okay, yeah, yeah. Or a building. But I did like that sneaky deaky scene where he walks in, and he goes to the, finds the magic, the, finds the back room, and he comes out, and Colin Farrell's, you know, knows that he's he was in the house. I, I thought that was all cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He kind of sniffs him out. Yeah, yeah. He sniffs him out. I like that. He's eighteen as well. He probably smells like Axe deodorant. <laughs> what, what Dude, what the, what are those tennis shoes they're talking about too? Like poots. He's like they're always like. Charlie's got these cool tennis shoes. I'm like, what the hell are those tennis shoes? He's like, he's like, they're puce. Yeah, I mean, what is that? <laughs> I had to look it up because I'm such an old man. I'm like, dude, what is that? It's just a color. <laughs> that's you're right. That's referenced so often in like the first half hour. <laughs> yeah, they reference it like four times in the movie. <laughs> Andy, any concluding comments on this rewatch of Friday Night Thursday? I think this is the fourth time I've watched this film. Okay. And uh, yeah, there's some things in it that quite tickle me, but they're all they're all silly things like a man getting hit in the head with a pebble. Um, and while I think there are points that are pretty well shot, I feel like on the whole the film looks quite good. Like I think Peter Vincent's apartment, the art direction in there is amazing. But uh, I just I just can't. I've seen it a handful of times and. Uh, if Patrick hadn't suggested this, I genuinely don't think I would have watched it again. Okay. I can't in good faith sit here and suggest so people watch this over the original. I'm sorry, Patrick. I can't do I'm it. I'm so g- glad I suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Since we started this podcast, me and you, yeah. Mitch, have always had that. We watch every minute. We don't fast forward. We don't skip a scene. Yeah. yeah. So I've sat through it again and... I, I maybe found a couple of things that I liked a little bit better, but on the whole, some pretty good performances aside. Mm-hmm. Every time you see a vampire, it's just so badly yeah. handled and so yeah. badly rendered. The vamps are pretty badly handled. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go screaming from the rooftops about this one, but um, I'm definitely, I think, more forgiving than you. <laughs> um, I I think that um, this. 
as a lot of kind of films from this kind of era do, I think as it kind of gets to a point where it needs to resolve itself, I think that it just it gets a little too... Well, we've talked about it, and I don't want to bang the bad CGI drum too hard, because, I mean, and but I think that it does kind of... It lays it on a bit thick in a way that I find kind of exhausting near the end. But I think that um, it makes some really interesting choices in the way that it splits from the original, and I think that a lot of them work. Some of them feel kind of like change for the sake of change, but a lot of them, I think, kind of land. Performance-wise, I think it's pretty good, but um, I don't. I, it doesn't get all the way there for me. I'm glad we have both these movies in our world. <laughs> yeah. I actually think this one's better acted. I actually uh, think uh, I, I can identify more with the Anton Charlie Brewster character uh, right. more than the the other one i think the i like the premise of the first one better for the sheer facts of the nostalgia reasons sure yeah you know of you know of just waking up the old rear window type thing where there's a vampire living next door Mm -hmm. but i actually i actually like what they what they did with this and they sort of you know didn't just do a rehash and a remake of it they sort of uh looked at the characters and they reshuffled them a little bit and they made uh i think Amy character more appealing to me as a viewer. And I think, I I don't think it's as good as the first one. I mean, I think they're just, they're about this. I think the first one has its flaws too. We could go into a lot, Uh, but I think, I think a lot of people get, you know, the nostalgia reasons for it. Like, oh my God, it came out in the eighties. It's great. It's amazing. (laughs) Look at it. It's amazing. I will happily hold my hands up and say that my viewing of Fright Night 2011 from the first time to now yeah. is entirely tainted by my love for Fright Night. See, yeah. um, I, I, I wonder if I... Maybe, um, Patrick, I came to horror quite late. I didn't start I didn't start watching horror films, really. I'm 32 now, and I didn't really start watching no. them in any significant way until I was maybe 22, 23. So I don't have what a lot of people my age had of watching these things, not when they came out, but when they were much, much younger. Yeah, I mean, I only showed you Fright Night, yeah, I, I don't know, like a, a year ago? Yeah, maybe less than that. So I, it wasn't so long ago that I saw the original for the first time. So I quite... I'm, sometimes quite thankful for the fact that I don't have the kind of nostalgia thing going because I think that it kind of helps me stand outside it and look at it on its own merits a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I, well, I saw the Friday night, the original in the theaters. I'm a little bit older than you guys. And then, uh, uh, but I was, but uh, I liked what they did with it. I thought I was like, okay, you're going to have, they're going to make, they're going to remake it because mm-hmm. they're always going to remake things. And, and it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to try to do something different? Are you going to try to do just the exact same thing? Where like, you know, but I thought they did a great. I think they did a, a nice job in the remake. It wasn't as good as like the Hills of Eyes remake or the Crazies remake, mm-hmm. but they still did. You know, an adamant job. It wasn't on the par of the Thing remake. You know, mm-hmm. where it's just uh-huh. yeah. god awful. Or the Fog remake. Oh, oh, the Fog. I think the Fog remake's probably the worst. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty terrible. You know, <laughs> pretty terrible. And, uh, but as for the remakes, I mean, I thought that I just watched the Crazies the other night on on uh, on TV, and I was like, wow, this movie really good. I it's a lot remake. better than the George Romero movie. I love the remake better. of the Crazies. It's great. It moves so fast too. It's like bam. It's like right out, right out, right out of the gate. I could, uh, I could actually just watch Timothy Oliphant and anything. Actually, I just started rewatching Deadwood. Dude, he's great. He's great. But Anton, going back to Friday Night, the room, I just really, I just really identify. I just really like Anton. I think that's what sells me the movie more is his performance and i just really man i just he's one of my he was one of my favorite actors i think him and uh emotion poots i mean they're both even i mean look at them in green room yeah yeah they're just so good they're just so good i think a lot i think a lot of the stuff that i like in this film wouldn't work without him yeah yes i, I think i think it was brilliantly cast i wish they would have done more with the colin farrell character mm-hmm. but i think everybody did their job where in the First one, I just had a, I have a huge problem with Amanda Bear. So I just don't really, I don't really like, I don't really, she doesn't really gel with me. Even okay. in the eighties, she didn't really gel with me. And Marcy Darcy. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I, the, the, the Colin Farrell thing for me, I, I would, the thing I would have done is just pulled back a little bit on the douchebagginess of him. Exactly. Don't have him, you know, don't have him be a douchebag. Make him, you know, make him funny. Make him nice. Make him, you know, just like your everyday next door neighbor yeah. who's, you know, sort of hot, you know? 
Yeah, and does he have to be in a wife beater the whole film? Yeah, I know. That's just so. <laughs> I think we I both know the answer to that is yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. but I don't understand that. I don't understand that logic. It's like, yeah, man, let's put him in a wife beater. Let's make him hot. And I'm like, <laughs> he's already he's already attractive. You don't have to make him put him in a wife beater for that. Yeah. Scene, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, th- I think we can all agree on that. And he's he's constantly like wiping his lip as well. And I really uh, he's qu- he's constantly it. sweating too. It's like, dude, it must have been hot in New Mexico. Oh, yeah, he, he's so shiny so much of the time. <laughs> for yeah. a vampire, he's certainly perspiring a lot. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a, he's a sweaty vampire. That's what he is. Exactly, Patrick. Before we wrap up, let's talk about what's been going on with you. Oh well, uh, well, last time I was in Glasgow, I did I did a known movie called The Devil's Dolls, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was at uh, all my movies seem to go to the Fright Fest England one now, right? Um, yeah. And then I did a movie in Serbia last year called Open Twenty Four Hours, which also played which, Fright Fest. Which I also played Fright Fest. I played Fantastic Fest. I played Sidges. Uh, and that's gonna come it's gonna come out here uh, probably around September or October. And then I just finished up Dark Light, which we shot in Georgia Tbilisi. Right. It's a you guys will love it. It's a ni- it's a nice little monster movie. Excellent. So I wanted to I wanted to do something uh, since I just came off of like a gas station, isolated gas station slasher movie. Uh-huh. I wanted to do something different. And the, the producers asked me, they're like, Hey, do you have any they liked working with me on open and they're like, do you have anything else? I'm like, yeah, I got this crazy movie about this uh, mom whose child goes missing and everybody blames her. They think they killed her, but she thinks she says that this creature that lives underneath the house took her. And then uh, lo and behold, you know, there is a creature and they do battle and they get the kid back. So okay, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool little monster movie. It's with a, uh, we got a man in a suit, so no CGI monster. Lovely. I, I, I like I like when you put a man in a suit, Patrick, I have to say. I love man in a suit. Other producers are like, oh, why do we put, no, don't put a man in a suit. I go, listen, guys, everybody knows it's a fucking man in a suit. <laughs> if they, if, and if it's a CGI, they're going to go, that looks terrible CGI. So pick your battle. Man in a suit, terrible CGI. Yeah, man so, in a suit, all the way to the bank. So, um, so are you looking to take that to festivals soon or? Yeah, we'll be uh, going out to festivals pretty here pretty soon. We're gonna got some major announcements coming up on that cool. very very soon, probably in June or July. Nice. Okay. Okay. Patrick, just before you go, um, where can people get you on social media and stuff? Uh, they can. Uh, I mean, they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on uh, Instagram. Just punch in my name, Patrick Reynolds. Okay, Patrick. Thank you so much for doing this. You guys, thank you so much, and uh, invite me anytime. I'll be glad to come on. Amazing, thank you. I'm getting the distinct impression that you're not sold. I'm. I would be lying if I said I was sold, Mitch. Mm. Um, yeah, is that all there is to say on that? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, done. I'm a done. Big thank you to Darklight, Righteous Spring, and many more director, Mr. Patrick Reynolds, joining yeah. us to yes. talk Friday Night 2011. Yes, thank you, Patrick, and lovely speaking to you again. And we're done once again. Yep, another one down. Another one down. Yeah, another one. Just yeah. gone like that. However, we will be back this Monday with another mini-sode, of course, mini-sode 55. 55, man, what the, what the hell? We will be doing all of our usual stuff, of course. At this point, I don't feel like I need to list it, but I'm gonna anyway. We'll be talking about what we've been watching. We'll be taking a look at my progress or otherwise through the Shockwaves 100. There will be progress. There will be progress. I'm getting pretty good, I think. I'm pretty good. Yeah. getting pretty good at landing at You're least one You're forcing yourself. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. And of course, we'll be taking a look at your feedback, letting you know everything that you need to know for next week's episode and of course playing another round of Mitch's Pitches in the meantime we would love to hear from you yes that would be great Facebook and Instagram are two ways to do that strong language violent scenes you uh, Twitter is another at strong violent PC (laughs) and finally you could email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com that was incredibly labelled up until the end there when you very much rushed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I realised I was wasting time and raced over the finish line. Hey, guys. Uh, where are you listening? <laughs> Me personally? Yeah, where do you listen? Uh, Podbean. You listen on Podbean. You have to say that. That's a party line. Yeah, that's true. They are good, though. <laughs> yeah, but you could also listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, and sometimes Spotify. Yeah, yeah. When they're on it, when they, when they, when they get that together again. Yeah, that yeah, all seems all seems fine. Yeah, all seems fine. All seems fine. The relationship's trucking along. Excellent. I'm glad we've mended those fences. Well, but, but they're not mended. But let's say that they're uh, under they're, construction. Yeah. <laughs> We're back on Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, you think I'm hanging out with Dracula and the Easter Bunny? Fuck off. Goodbye. Wow. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. 
find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.